0: welcome to another episode of the canteen last episode (laughs) we told you we told you we had something special today's that day we have a very special guest some some of you may not even have a clue that we were able to pull some strings we got it done rap what do you have to say power of
1: facebook messenger
0: power of facebook messenger let's just say many of you know him as a great, great influence on camp, maybe the heart and soul of uh, camp. The
1: voice, the voice of the
0: voice uh, of Campione. Camp so, without further ado, please welcome from the waiting room. <laughs> yeah, Jay Breman, How are you?
1: Jay.
0: What's up, Jay?
1: Wow, what a background!
0: I love the background
1: yeah i thought that was uh thought that'd be
2: appropriate very
1: how are you how have
2: you been how are you you
1: know
2: hanging in there trying to keep busy you know uh it's the hardest thing about all this has been uh no theater uh,
3: mm-hmm.
2: i was i was in two shows when uh when the pandemic hit last march that had just opened mm-hmm. uh i was in uh both uh, right here at the Merrick theater. I was in the, we had just opened our main stage production of Oliver. Um, I've actually heard good things about that show. I
0: think it wasn't it on Broadway at one point.
2: It's an old show. It's been around forever.
0: Um, I, actually, oh,
3: okay.
0: yeah, I My in- mom, my mom is like really into theater also and like musicals. So I feel like I've heard of Oliver before, but that's probably why.
2: It's all right. It's not one of my favorites, but um
3: mm
2: you know we, i i was playing mr bumble who's the beetle of the workhouse um you know that famous <laughs> scene at the beginning where oliver has the bowl please sir i want some more that, that was me um and i was also playing uh, i was playing horton the elephant in Susicle uh for children's oh theater. wow yeah
1: we had Susicle at a at camp
2: we did yeah i i know <laughs> i wasn't there but i i, I know they they did it. it it's all right it's it was a lot of fun i uh, you know and unfortunately for each of those shows we only did two performances uh, of each one before it got shut down. And um, so
1: you're, you're all like uh, you, you had, like, you were expecting like 20 shows, 30 shows. You, you guys, you must've been ready to go. And then,
2: well, Oliver was supposed, the main stage was supposed to be a 15 show run, uh, 14, rather, 14 shows over five weeks, five weekends. Susical, we were supposed to run every Saturday from uh, mid February until I think the beginning of May. Um, and then I was, we had just started rehearsals for beauty and the beast. Um, I was playing Maurice, uh, Bell's father. Uh, we had done, we had just finished music rehearsals and had just started, uh, blocking the opening number when everything stopped. That show was supposed Pretty to weird. open in May. Yeah. It's, it's been good. good. It's, it's, you know,
1: I'm I'm sorry was, to hear it got canceled, but at least at least you know that when it when stuff does get back to normal, you're gonna be you're gonna be booked.
2: Up there doing your thing.
0: How sure like, <laughs> really
2: we can get back. how we can get back on stage in the spring, but the fall looks
3: good. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So I wanna start. Um
0: everyone that's watching this is mostly camp people, besides a few of our home friends. Mm-hmm. So we we just wanted to Start off with a little bit of background information. So do you want to tell us how you got to Pontiac and how everything came about and like what made you decide to come to camp and start this whole theater program that absolutely took off? If you can
2: um expand on that. Sure. Uh well, I went to another camp uh as a child and then in college I went back as a counselor, group leader, and program director. It was The camp was called Camp Natchez. It was located right down the road from Pontiac on the other side of the lake um, where Camp Ann is now.
3: Oh, really?
2: Um, I went there from the age of seven in the summer of 1978 uh, until 1985. And then I was away for a few years. I came back as a counselor in 89, and I was there through 94 and then 95 was the last summer that natchez was open and for the last four years i was there from 91 to four um, i was a group leader and program director but i was also a bunk house natchez was very very small um the most i mean if you think of it compared to pontiac a division at pontiac at natchez would have been one bunk with maybe eight to 12 kids on average and two or really? three it was a very, very small camp. I didn't realize how small it was until I came to Pontiac. And then, you know, when I'd go back over to Natchez and I would look up at all the color work plaques and I would see how few names were on them. Um, it was, you know, I, and I couldn't believe how small it was. But um, the, I had the same group of kids during those years, uh, 91 to four, uh, and we became very close. Um, a lot of us did anyway. And when Natchez closed, uh, it was about a month before the summer of 96 was going to start uh, that everyone got the word that Natchez would not be opening that year. And two of my guys uh, who are supposed to be uh, JCs at Natchez came over to Potiac as JCs for that year, along with maybe, I don't know, maybe 30 or so uh Kids from, who had already signed up to go to Natchez that summer, they were given the option um, to go to Pontiac instead. I think the, uh, the owners made a deal with, uh, with the owner of Natchez that if anyone who had already signed up could come. And there were maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 kids from Natchez, maybe a few more, I don't remember exactly. And so anyway, I got in touch with, with my two guys and uh, I came up to visit them. And uh so I when I got to camp, it was, you know, I introduced myself, I told them who I was, and uh, you know, all the Natchez people knew who I was, and they said, okay, you know, you can hang around on camp for the day. So I hung out with my guys in their group. They were counselors for sophomores, I think. Uh, although back then they were called, there was lower softs and upper softs. Uh in 98, I think the upper softs became inters. So so I spent some time with them and with their kids and you know, by like the early afternoon, their group leader asked me if I wanted to work there. And I said, well, I can't do it this year. Um, but, uh, cause that year I was, I was working at, uh, uh, at WABC Radio in New York. I was doing the, uh, the Yankees uh, broadcast from the studio end uh, as, well as, my, as well as all the remotes that I was doing out at Shea and Yankee Stadium or whatever. Um So, I had basically had commitments for that summer but i but but I said, you know maybe after the summer's over we 'll talk about next year and as it turned out um that was the year that I went back to school to complete my teaching certification so but getting back to my first visit i mean it was it was nice to see all the Natchez kids, although it was a little out of context obviously um and, you know, but I remember specifically that the directors, Kenny and Ricky and Mark, um, were very, very, you know, welcoming and, you know, generous. And they were like, you know, we would love having you here. Come visit us anytime. This was also happened to be the, the, the year I took up guitar. And I had it with me and I, you know, played some music for the kids while I was there. And, you know, they were just very, very nice to me, very welcoming, very, uh, you know. And so that fall, when I went back to to grad school to complete my teaching certification, which I had started as an undergrad, but didn't finish, I figured, you know what? Maybe camp would be a good thing to put on a teaching resume. So I called up the office. I introduced myself again. I reminded them of who I was, um, and um, had went out to lunch with Kenny one day at the, I think it was at the Lighthouse Diner in Syosset, Um if memory serves me correctly, which it usually does, but not always.
3: Kingsley, that's a good place. We've
1: what's that? There. I think we we've, we've been to that diner in Sayo.
2: Yeah, is that the time we went
0: with Harrison?
1: I think so, yeah. I don't,
0: I don't remember the going, but maybe. I went to a diner in Sayaset. I don't remember which one, that. Yeah, I've uh, gone there I after a couple of shows. Together. I've done some
2: shows at Sayaset at uh, the cultural arts playhouse there, so I've been there for years. Oh, nice. This is why I remember it, I think. But uh, so, uh, you know, Kenny invited me to come to camp as a group leader for the uh, fifth grade boys, which was sophomores. And I had never worked with kids that young before. I don't, I, you know, I, I'd always worked with the middle school divisions at, at Natchez. Um, and I was planning on teaching at the secondary level rather than the elementary level, but I said, all right, sure, you well, know, let's do this. I wanted to come back to camp. And so I came back to camp and it was, it was difficult that first summer. I gotta be honest. I had, uh, Like I said, I had never worked with kids that young before and I had a, I had a really difficult vision. Um, there was some, uh, there was some real specimens in that group. Let me tell you, it was like the Baskin Robbins of personality disorders. (laughs) Although any unfortunate thing is there were some great kids in that group too. Craig Grumet was in that group. Um, and
1: uh, okay, so you're, you were uh, your counts. You were the group leader to or counselor to Craig Romet.
2: Yeah, just just that one year,
1: mm-hmm.
2: because um, you know, as the summer wore on, I mean, I I didn't really enjoy it very much uh, because, like I said, I had a difficult division. It was difficult acclimating to the group leader's job, which was re- really I thought it would be a lot easier having been a program director at Natchez. Um, but there was a lot of paperwork involved. They were still, I think back then, still trying to figure out how to run the place. They had this really ambitious programming concept where unlike, you know, at at, at my old camp, it had always been, you know, there are six periods a day and each bunk goes from activity to activity, from period to period, um, from place to place, you know, three in the morning, three in the afternoon. And it was really very, very simple. Um, but at Pontiac, it was much more complicated. Obviously there were a lot more kids, there were a lot more staff and a lot more facilities, but there was a lot of paperwork involved because of all the selectives. You, know, you have selectives every day, you have clinics every week, you have private lessons at rest hour. It was a really ambitious uh, concept that I don't think anybody had ever tried before. So they were still trying to kind of figure out how to do it, trying to figure out the most efficient way Um, you know, to, to get the kids from place to place and to get everybody where they needed to go and, you know, to, to, to have the paperwork done and to distribute the papers to everybody. But the papers, the paperwork, the way they designed it was really, really inefficient. And, you know, one thing that I kind of always prided myself on is efficiency. And so I kind of, at, at some point I got so frustrated that I threw the papers out and just created my own. Um, that were easier to work with and took less time. And, of course, and, and the other thing that made it difficult was I didn't know anybody. You know, when I first got there, I didn't know anybody. It took me like, and I'm, I've always been bad with names, so it took me like a ridiculously long time to learn all the kids' names. And so I, I, it really, you know, it was difficult. I didn't really enjoy being a group leader that much. And at some point, you know, they... Um, they realized that my skills could be put to better use elsewhere, because the theater program that year struggled a little bit. They didn't really have an accompanist. Um, and you know, the sound system wasn't great, the lighting wasn't great. And you know so between me being a musician and a sound engineer, it kind of made sense. Um,
1: it was your calling, it was your calling to, uh, yeah. step up and, well, uh, you know,
2: it's interesting because I, it, maybe in, in retrospect, it probably was, but I mean, apart from having done shows myself in camp and in school, when I was a kid, I, I don't have a background in theater. I didn't study theater. Um, I, you know, I majored in radio broadcasting, uh, in, in college with a minor in English. And, uh, you know, I eventually became an English teacher, although I did direct a couple of school plays. Um, this was after I had started doing shows in Pontiac. I mean, and, um, you know, I, as an accompanist, I have limitations because I don't read music, um, you know. So I, am you know, limited in terms of what I can play. Um, but, you know, it was, it, it, it seemed, it just made sense, you know, for me to slide over because I think the way Kenny explained it to me was, you know, anybody can be a group leader. We got tons of guys who could be group leaders, but you know, we need to to make something out of this theater program.
1: And uh, when do you when two, did the when did oh, the I, not the pilot, I, when did the Playhouse like? Can you give me like an exact summer when the Playhouse was actually built? Yeah, two thousand five. Two thousand
3: five. Really. So what
0: where, where did you guys like do the plays before that? Well was there was there like a new was there a theater like where I'm the playhouse is at now?
1: I had to guess Paramount, right? Yeah, it was the Paramount.
2: Oh yeah, I, I
0: the
3: forgot. Paramount was <laughs> the Paramount was the
2: old social hall. And um, I think it was in ninety-eight. The stage was where the wood shop is now. Um, And of course, back then it didn't have air conditioning. It didn't have a drop ceiling. um, It had windows on each side. Um, This over on the um, opposite where you walk in where all the closets are, where the trunks are stored. That was obviously, that was open space. And there was an old, there was a covered porch there that had been enclosed, I think sometime way back when um, where there was more seating, there were bleachers there, there were bleachers along the side, there were bleachers in the back and there were benches all across the floor. Um, in 98, they put an addition onto the back, which is now the ice cream shop.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah. so they basically, they knocked down the back wall and and extended the building another, what, 20 feet, 20, 25 feet, however long, however long it is. Um, and then the stage was extended out, I think around two thousand maybe the stage was extended, and they put those drawers there
1: um you're really like uh manipulating the uh that paramount ice cream parlor wood woodworking area like there were every year something different was happening
2: yeah, I mean it's. Every almost every year, something new is going up. I mean, the mm-hmm. if you go all the way back to when I started there. Um, the the main hockey rink across from the CIT bunk, mm-hmm. that excuse me, that was put in in ninety eight. The palace went up in ninety nine. Um,
1: the palace, wow. Huh.
2: Palace went up in ninety nine, two thousand. I think I can't remember if the dance pavilion went up in two thousand or two thousand one. Um, and you know, the, the Fenway diamond has been moved back and rotated slightly. Um, the, uh, the playhouse obviously went in in into, as I said, went in in 2005, the dining room has been extended like four different times.
1: Um, I think the dining hall got, you could tell the dining hall got bigger. Like you could tell, with like they definitely kept adding and adding and adding. Yeah. I think I I
2: think in '97 it was just the, the the central serving area, and the the extension to the right towards the parking lot, mm-hmm.
3: where the where they the, have
2: like that walk up like sort of boardwalk thing. On no. the rocks. What what when you first come in, where the girls sit?
3: that yeah. was, that was no, added, no 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 no.
2: The uh, the place where the
0: younger boys sit. What's the question? Like, no, I was asking if that was part of the original dining hall.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, where 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 the where the main food station is, where the uh, the list of Color War generals is up on the roof on the ceiling. Yeah, that, that whole room, I think, is the original dining hall. Right where the where the kitchen is.
3: Oh. The, okay.
2: Yeah, as you go to the right, where the I think where the the sophomore and interboys sit,
3: mm-hmm. I think that
2: was there. In 97, the back area behind that, where the junior and Summy boys sit. I, I can't remember if that was there in 97 or if it didn't go up till 98. Um, the next edition was on the opposite side. Um, where the old ice house was, that was the old ice house was taken down and the dining room was extended in, in that direction. I think that was, uh, or maybe maybe the ice house wasn't taken down until the next edition was added. So there were two additions on that side. I can't remember the the, the Indian designations of each one, um, mm. but uh, and then the the main entrance in the front, opposite the kitchen, was extended into another dining room. So that was pushed out uh, and enclosed. Um, so it's the dining room has been extended bit by bit uh over the years the um so i i think that's it as far as as far as what went up during my tenure i mean the the i think the 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 roof over the upper hockey rink didn't go up until 08 or 09 so um, that was open right yeah yeah that was just open uh, uh, and i, I think also- they did the rink as well uh, mm. But my first year that was our only hockey rink. Really? Um, yeah. The second, when did the second swimming pools go in? When I got, because when I got for most of my tenure there, there's only one swimming pool on each side. The second swimming pools, ah, oh, geez, I can't remember when they went in. Um, I mean, the bunks have been renovated multiple times. Uh, the bathrooms, at least on Boy's side, have been completely redone. I mean like literally just demolished and replaced at least twice uh, over the last twenty years.
1: Much, much, yeah. that, that was definitely uh, that was definitely like a top priority because those those bathrooms I don't know, <laughs> they were like, into it. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, there, there's no central sewer system up there. So they all have to they all have to rely on on you know old fashioned septic tanks, which only have so much capacity. I mean, I want to get too graphic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's yeah. a challenge. I mean, the the the, the infrastructure uh, at camp is, especially a camp like Pontiac, is always going to be a challenge, just because you know you have they you have heavy use by a lot of people over a short period of time, and you know that means plumbing, electric, um, and everything. So it's 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 a major major operation. It's it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And
0: also talking about renovations, I want to talk a little bit about the canteen because I know that had its fair share of um, like re renovations and everything. Like even when we were, when we first came in 2011, that was our first summer as freshman boys, um, becoming CITs of 2018. Um, we, we like didn't have the canteen that we have now and it was completely like redone. Like there was that arcade in there. So and by the way, I don't know if you caught on, but our show is called The Canteen Show. Yeah. So Yeah, so I just, we were wondering about that. So if you can explain yeah, a little
1: was, bit more yeah, about what that. was it like during like 1998? Like what was it the yeah. Well,
2: I mean, in, in terms of its function, it wasn't all that different. Um, mm-hmm. and in, not e- Or even in terms of what was served. Although for a number of years, um, you guys say you were there in 2011? Yeah, that was our first that, summer. That might have been the last year that they had sodas in cans. Um, the fountain, the soda yeah. fountains, were put in. Pro- I think around 2012, maybe sooner. I don't know.
3: I think it
1: was it was 20 it was 2012 or 2013 because I remember that either it was summer 2012, summer 13, where like the camp went nuts with renovations. The canteen was
0: 2012. In- they started a bunch of the renovations, and then 2013 is when it took off. I remember – I think it was actually – oh, no, the water park came later, but I'm with, with the canteen and everything, I remember at least for a summer or two, they still had the arcade and the old canteen, and Playland did not have those machines or whatever. I don't – right, Playland was a thing when we were freshman boys. It was just Playland, not what it – Playland it was. was
1: always a thing, but they didn't have – any electronic games it was always like ping it was pong, like
0: ping pong ski ball shot, and like Papa
1: shot ball. i think that
0: was like it, it didn't have any of
1: because the games that were in the arcade that the games that are now in playland that were like the arcade game like the nba jam and all that they were in the canteen
2: right they were in the canteen because yeah. they went, yeah i remember now now that you reminded me they 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 partitioned off uh-huh. uh about a quarter of the floor space mm-hmm. over on the side, uh, opposite the office. Yeah. The, the, little arcade there. That mm-hmm. was, um, I don't remember what year it was, but, but that wasn't always there. I think, I think, I mean, when I first got to camp, the, uh, the canteen was, I mean, it, it still had those, uh, those old, like 50s soda shop style stools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it had the, the, the red and white checkerboard linoleum flooring. And I think the had the vertical red and white stripes on the paneling all the way around. Um, but those garage doors for the serving counters have always been there. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the, the bathrooms have always been there. The porch over there was added and then mm-hmm. later enclosed. Um, and then another, I think I don't know. Is there another porch? towards girl's side outside the enclosure there if you go past
0: yeah, your- yeah.
3: yeah
2: oh wait no there's one on the side
0: like right by the the canteen bridge it's like right there across okay, from so the vending machines one, the porch but the not box. on girl's side yeah right 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 so there's a the porch in the back and then there's the- like you see it you see it only if you're walking down the girl's bunk line not the other way right if you know what i mean like yeah. you see you don't see it um
2: I mean, maybe it's the other way around. I, I don't know. But it's on one side. Yeah, one off the side. top of my head, I'm, I'm not quite sure. But, I mean, it just – and it didn't have the um the doors. I mean, it it just had these swinging doors that you could walk in and out. It didn't have the porch there in the front or anything like that. It didn't have the porch in the back or on the side. Um, And it was just, you know, within the last 10 years – I can't remember exactly when – when they put in, you know, the knotty pine paneling and the Tiffany lamps and the booths and the uh, – the the, and the wooden lighting wooden and all that's when arches no the arches have always been there the well the, the trusses at least the uh-huh. the rafters have always
1: been there. the ra- that's what i meant the rafters but they've been
2: but they i think they they've been uh clad in the in the knotty i mean they put the knotty pine everywhere
1: definitely um, well speaking speaking of your i guess you have a huge passion for the theater of course you've so many good stories so many amazing uh performances as well as Directing of these of these shows, just tell us about you writing the plain and simple that alma mater that you are the writer of it. You every time that comes on, you're you're typing away on the piano. Like tell us, tell us how when you wrote it, what it means to you. Just, just give us everything, yeah.
0: How it came about and the first time it was performed and how it carried through, It's like the whole the whole nine.
2: Boy, I never thought this topic would come up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. There's actually there there are there are two different stories here. One is the story of how it came about and the other is the song itself. Um so I'll get to the first one first. Um when I first came to camp we had a counselor Named Josh Turov. He was from California, really nice guy, good counselor. And he was a piano player um, and a songwriter. And in 96, the year before I came, he had written original songs, meaning original music and lyrics for Boy sing and for color. War. Now, I had written songs for Color War at Natchez, but just in the traditional way, uh, with, you know, writing lyrics to an existing song. Uh, in fact, I did a lot of that when I was a counselor, um, uh, for Color War. We didn't have sing over there. Sing was just a color war thing over there. And so, when I came to camp in 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 '97, the directors thought it would be a good idea. They thought it would be nice if both color war teams could have original songs for their alma maters. Now Josh had written an original alma mater for his division for boys sing that year. I had written the songs for 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 the sophomores for boys sing that year, but they were both again traditional. Uh songs in the sense that they were my own lyrics to existing music and so i had written original music before but it had been a long time by then um it hadn't really been since college that i wrote any original songs so they asked me if i'd be willing to do that if i would be willing to write the alma mater for whichever team josh wasn't on and Actually, now that I think about it it was it was right when color War broke that they asked me to do that you know would i would I write the alma mater for the white team since Joshua on the red team and I said, "Sure, I'll do it as long as everyone knows about it and everyone is okay with it and by everyone i i I meant really judges. The people on the officers on the red team and so on and so forth. You know, I wanted to make sure that everyone was in agreement that this was okay. Um, And so I was assured at some point on that first day color war, I think it was the first day color war, that everyone was okay with it. So I went ahead and wrote a song and, you know, presented it to the white team at their first sing practice. So the next thing I know, the boys' head counselor at the time, uh, his name is Mark Edelman, good guy, good teacher, good head counselor, um, comes up to me just livid. How could you do that? You wrote a song for the t- for the white team. What? Why are you out of your mind? How could you do such a thing? And. So, I then explained to him what I just got done explaining to you guys. And, you know, as it turns out, not everybody knew, and certainly not everybody was okay with it. And to make matters worse, the red team was getting the living crack kick out of it. It was just an incredibly one sided color war. And, you know, color wars are always either really close or really one-sided. And this was a really one-sided one. And the, the general on the red team, the males in um kind of lost his mind <laughs> as a result of, of <laughs> things just going wrong like this. And he basically wanted to kill everybody, especially me. Um, but, uh, of course, color war ends and, you know, tempers die down. And as happens at the end of every color war, everybody realizes how pointless the whole thing was <laughs> and, and everyone just seemed to like the song so much that, uh, I can't remember if it was right then at the end of the summer or sometime between then and the summer of 98, that that they decided, you know, we want to make this the camp the mater.
1: Oh, wow.
2: And, you know, cause, cause everyone just seemed to like it so much. Uh, you know, they were singing it, uh, you know, after color war ended. Um, um, the, uh, the idea behind it was, I mean, one thing you got to remember, is that? Nineteen ninety-seven was my first summer at Pontiac. So, most of my camping experience and memories and thoughts and ideas and uh, and all of that was still over on the other side of the lake at Natchez. So, we
1: gotta we gotta get some we gotta get some Cam Natchez shirts.
2: I've got yeah, some if you want. Next, it, next time we'll do show and tell next time. But, but that, but, but that's where my, that's where my experience was. That's where my most of my thoughts were still over there. And you know, it's hard to compare. I mean, one summer at Pontiac as a group leader versus seven summers as a, or, or, or I don't remember, what was it? Seven or eight summers as a camper, six as a staff member at another camp. So I had to draw on that uh, in order to, 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 to put the proper um, what's the word, you know, to, to get, to, to, to give the proper feeling to the song, I guess, if that's the way you want to look at it, to put, Mm -hmm. to to put the requisite love into it, if you will. Um, But that was also the year before I started teaching, I was studying to become an English teacher. So the central motif of the song is literature. A story is told, a chapter unfolds. The words relate the tale. Um, and then at the end, I'll take one more look before closing my book. Um, there was more of that in the lyrics that got replaced. Um, like there was there was a stanza that went something like this, uh, one page to the next. I cherish this text that speaks so strong and true which is kind of a cliche, but you got know, you gotta let that go. Um, but that kind of came out, that was kind of a superfluous verse that I had to take that out. And that kind of became, as summer days pass, well, actually the, the original lyric was, the summer has passed, I wish it could last, but now it's time to go. That became, as summer days pass, after one the- after the last, a bond begins to grow. So the, and then we gather around and sing as one, this family that we have become um, kind of rounded out that first verse kind of, you know, you have that, the, 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 the image at the beginning, a story is told, a chapter unfolds, the words relate the tale, memories of days gone by, and there are always days gone by, whether it's, you know, the, the second day of camp or the last. Uh, the crystal azure sky is is kind of a combination of things. It's 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 um, it's a lyric to an alma mater I heard once. You know something about beneath the azure sky. The crystal azure sky is a play on uh, a, a color war team name from Natchez. Uh, one of my guys uh, who actually who, who came to Pontiac in '96 and helped lead me there. Had been the equivalent of a camper general one year at Color War over in Natchez. And his team, he was the blue team. And we, we, we called it Olympics at Natchez because the owner was a pacifist. He was like the last surviving hippie from the 60s. He would not allow any activity to have any reference to war or violence or, or anything like that. So our Color War was themed around the Olympic Games. So each team got country. The country was Finland, and the nickname of the team they came up with was the Azure Crystals, as in ice crystals. The plaque is really kind of cool. They have this, it's like a sheet of ice fashioned to look like the Finnish flag. So that's where the the, the crystal azure sky came from. Um and then uh so the the music. It's kind of, it's a very simple chord progression in, hang on, the very simple chord progression, in B flat minor, the, the, uh, the chorus, it just kind of climbs up. So it's a one, two, three, four, five, one. It's very simple. And then the verse is a little different. It plays a little bit, it goes atonal. It starts with the B flat major and then goes to the C major. And then it resolves back to B-flat and so we're back on key. So it kind of teases you a little bit that it's going to suddenly, I mean, it goes from B-flat major to F major and then back to, whoops, wait, I screwed it up. Okay, so it fools you into thinking it's an F major and then it goes to back into B flat major. So the tune is really very simple. Um, and so, you know, don't go away, don't say goodbye. It has an interesting rhyme scheme. If you listen to the chorus, the way it rhymes, don't
3: go away, don't say goodbye.
2: The thought of you sends my heart
3: fly.
2: Oh, <laughs>
3: and then it just
1: adds an extra <laughs> syllable,
2: right? So it it, it 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 tricks you again. Um, in the thinking, it doesn't rhyme, but it does. Uh, don't go away. Don't say goodbye. The thought of you sends my heart flying. Don't leave me now. <laughs> don't look behind. Never go where I can't find
3: you. You. Oh, yeah. Right.
2: Exactly. Just hold my hand and don't let go. Stay
3: with me for one last moment. <laughs> <In a time. laughs> <laughs> promise to me say you will be please
2: please. now the um the music there at the end um the lyrics of the chorus are 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 really just kind of cribbed from the last couple of alma maters I wrote for color war at natchez the the, the business about don't go away um you know, hold my hand and don't let go, which is, again, it's a bit of a cliched image. But, um, you know, unfortunately, that's par for the course. When I'm when I'm writing a song with a time crunch, you know, I'm bound to throw, even in just yesterday, there are some throwaway lines in there that I just threw in because I needed a line. You know, the summer days seem like they would last forever. Okay, that sounds good. Or our, our hopes and dreams seem like they become reality, you know, just, just throw something in where you need to fill the lyrics. where so there's always gonna be some, some standard stuff like that. Um, but what I like about the, the, the tail end of the chorus is that it goes promise to me, say you will be. And then it does something that's called a, a, a plagal cadence. A four chord followed by a one. Sound familiar?
1: Is it? Is it? Wait, are you supposed to say "always a friend" there? Or
2: yeah, but uh-huh. the the chord progression—it's <laughs> called a plagal cadence. It's a four followed by a one. It's uh, some musicians refer to it as the amen cadence, amen, like at the end of a hymn, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So, hence the the plagal cadence at the end of the chorus. Always a friend it goes on and it goes on and it goes on Mm -hmm. it was a number of years later i can't remember when exactly when i started playing when i started doing this at the you know because you've got the second verse um now this is the part that starts to piss me off because this is where everyone gets the words wrong okay now that always happens that always that it was inevitable that that people would get the words wrong the same thing happened at at Natchez, there's a the Natchez alma mater has a line that goes, um, sunset and starry nights. Wait, sunset and star, come
1: on, come on, Jay.
2: <laughs> sunset and starry nights as we linger by firelight and we see in the pale moonlight to await the awakening dawn. So everyone would sing that as sunset and stormy nights as we linger by firelight, which makes no sense because if it's a stormy night, you're not going to be having a campfire. You're not going to be <laughs> lingering by firelight on a stormy night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now the same thing happens, uh, in the Panak alma mater. Um, because how does the second, the second verse starts, uh, um, now I can't remember the words it's ridiculous um,
3: always a friend
2: <laughs> the sun shines so bright and a cool starry <laughs> nights. the image never fades okay the lyric is sunset uh, uh, not sunlight. The is sunshine that- so bright and cool, starry nights.
1: I always, I say, on always.
2: Of course you do. <laughs> Everyone else does too, that- <laughs> which, for the same reason. And it's funny because I think that's probably where I got the idea from, for you know, sunshine and stars, sunny days and starry nights. You know, which is you know what you think of when you think of camp, especially you know, starry nights is a thing with me because I'm an amateur astronomer. And uh, I just love stargazing, um, you know, and looking up at the planets with my telescope. I was so disappointed when the, uh, uh, the great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn uh, at the end of last month, right before Christmas, was on this cloudy night. I couldn't see it. But, you know, the sun doesn't shine on, at night.
3: Mm-hmm, yeah. So it's, it's and. there's it's, no it's sunshine not, so
1: bright on, on cool yeah, star. Yeah. You know, maybe
2: I always I say I planet. always say on.
1: I always say on.
2: Just Yeah, yeah, that's just what people do. So and then but there's another lyric that everybody gets wrong. Um, so the sunshine so bright and cool starry nights, the image never fade, never fade. <laughs>
3: Pontiac, you will live
2: on Through all our days and years beyond Now, when I sing that for a non-camp audience, um, I, I change the lyric a little bit. I, I take Pontiac out. When I when I sing the song for a non-camp audience, it goes, By and by we shall go on Through all our days and years beyond So that way I can, I, I can sing it for a non-Pontiac audience. But at some point I decided this to start To do this at that point in the song is to go up here, to go up an octave, to have this kind of music box effect for that last stanza and the second chorus, whoops, Uh, so that it can then come to a crescendo at the key change at the end. But here's the other lyric that everyone gets wrong. I'll take one more look before
3: closing my book. Everyone, everyone.
2: It <laughs> I don't care what the day, it doesn't really
3: I a, Do
0: I you know how that started? Because it was <laughs> a thing like, before we came. No, no we, like, and then everyone, gone. now, no, now it it's getting every better. Every single time. No, I yeah. know, but now it's getting better where there was, I think last summer there was one time where no one clapped. But yeah. uh, so most of the time there's like at least one clap.
2: I think I think that's a fairly recent development that nobody did that when I during my tenure at camp up to 2006 I mean I, I, I don't remember that being done sometimes people there's also another thing that people do after promise to me they'll re, they'll echo to me to me say you will be um, Again I've my, never
0: heard that before that's
2: you know I think it doesn't really bother me so much I mean I, I would prefer people didn't do it. Uh, but again, that's another thing that it's just a camp thing. The same thing happened at, at with the Natchez Alma Mater.
3: Natchez. Oh, would
2: add stuff um, that wasn't in the song and had to be asked not to do it, whether it was clapping or echoing or, or you know, there's a part, there, there, there's a section of the Natchez Alma Mater that's just humming that goes...
3: uh. <laughs> And
2: people would start adding bop bops, you know, mm, bop bop mm, bop bop mm, bop bop. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and so it, it, that happens we were, all the. That's a camp thing. It. Yeah, that's that, that's just a camp thing. So, okay, getting back to the to to the lyrics now. Uh, okay, now the next line is. The page is marked, so I know when I come back home, I'll find it again.
0: Not you, it. Not, Not you. you, it.
1: I'm, I've been saying <laughs> you the whole
3: time.
0: <laughs> so have I, but I've, I, like, I started doing it once I got older. I realized that I was saying it wrong, and I changed it. But everyone, like, pronunciates like, people who, like, know that it's it like really want you to know that's it. Like they yeah. like it, you in the eyes of like, like they <laughs> say, yeah. Yeah,
3: well
1: they're trying they're
2: like, to 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 ex- yeah. convey to everyone what the correct lyric is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but lo- let me give you a little background on the lyric though, because it'll make sense uh once you realize what, what what's going on there lyrically. Uh because that last stanza and that was in the original song. Um the thought that I had in my head was of an empty bunk after everyone has left. Now, post-camp was not a thing back then, at least not to me. It was not something I was aware of because we'd never had post-camp at Natchez. And I, I, I can't count the number of times uh, when I would walk through the bunks on the last day of camp over at Natchez and just look around at the empty shelves and the empty beds and the empty walls. And, you know, the end of camp was always very, very sad for me, especially when I was as as a child, Um, you know, and and a lot of that went into just yesterday, which I I guess is a story for another time. Um, But, But I had this image in my head, because again, the the, the primary motif of the song is the novel, the story, the literature, the book. So I had this image of, of an empty bunk, an empty cubby, silence, cloudy sky. And there's this solitary book sitting on the shelf in an empty cubby in an empty bunk with a bookmark and the idea being that that book will remain there for the next 10 months, undisturbed, untouched with that bookmark in place. And then on the first day of the next summer, pick it up, open it up and keep reading. Every summer is a chapter and your, your camp experience, however long it is, whatever it is, wherever it is, is a novel. And, you know, and if you're, if you're like me and you, who, someone who's been, you know, going to camp for over 40 years now, yeah, over 40 years with, you know, there have only been three summers since 1978 that I didn't spend any time at camp at all. That was 1986, 87, and 2020. Every other summer since then, I have spent at least a day at either Camp Matches or Camp Pontiac. And, you know, so then it becomes a series of novels. You know, my first novel was my camper years at Natchez, my second novel was my staff years at Natchez. The third novel was the the ten summers I worked at Pontiac. The fourth novel is all of the time that I've spent there since then. Um so and that one hopefully is still being written. Um you know, we'll see how things go. But so that was the idea. And if you if you listen to the line. Just being spoken out loud without the music. I'll take one more look before closing my book and leaving it behind. The page is marked, so I know when I come back home I'll find it again. And it's the pause in the music.
1: Yeah, it's it's all about. The pages
2: marked, so I know when. You pause it when. So then. I come back, whoops, I come back home, I'll find it again. So you kind of instinctively start a new sentence there. People also say, I'll come back home there where the lyric is, I come back home, okay? It's again, the page is marked so I know when I come back home, I'll find it again. But when they sing it because of that pause after when, your, 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 your intuition of the native English speaker kind of reverts to the beginning of a new sentence. I'll come back home and find you again or I'll come back home and find it again. So it, it, it messes with people's heads. So, but that is the correct lyric. The, the page is marked so I know when I come back home, I'll find it again. Don't go away, don't
3: say it Na, 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 na,
2: na. and then it goes on and on with the music box and then it can crescendo to the trademark key change and on and on and on and on so it it, it you know it, i think it crescendos nicely there and i mean i seem i have to put a key change into every song for some reason i don't know why i just like key changes um it, it just goes up one step um and it kind of the, and the last line is not supposed to be a different melody. It's a slightly different chord progression because at the end of that last chorus, it goes,
3: always a friend, always a friend, always
2: a friend. Kind of puts that F in the bass to kind of resolve correctly at the end of the song rather than the amen cadence that I've been using for the rest of it. Um, but the uh, it's actually one step higher always a friend always a friend but the way everyone sings it they go up a little bit I think Mark Sklar started that
1: it's always See, like, that yeah. last line a little uh, like,
3: always uh, a friend
1: which again is fine and it, it actually makes for a nice uh, harmony and then like everyone just like friend <laughs> 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 well, oh yeah because, because you know I, I kind of do that <laughs> <laughs> Point on how that end how that end started you're the one that's type you're the one that's doing the piano yeah i'm saying like like how it how it became like how it went from always a friend mm-hmm. to like always uh well that's just sure that people just started
2: <laughs> singing it that way i think I've, and again i think it was mark star started singing it that way um you know and mark is always right front and center i'm off on the side playing the piano
3: mm-hmm.
2: i mean usually i might but by that point nobody can hear me um, so, you know, it's, uh, just, it just developed over the years. I mean, but, but the actual melody doesn't change. It's the same melody all three times, but again, I don't mind it because it it makes for, it makes for a nice harmony. Um, always a friend. I don't remember what year they started using this symbol. Um, uh, when always a friend became the, 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 I guess the camp motto
1: the slogan,
2: uh, motto slash slogan, yeah, it's like "E pluribus unum," right? It's you know, or or "Semper
1: Fi," like Subway, "Eat Fresh." <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> if it, well, I mean, it's
2: it's I, I I would prefer not to think of it as a marketing slogan. No, it's but r- <laughs> but really, as more of a motto or a credo, because I mean, friendship is, I mean is always the primary motif when it comes to camping, at least in my experience. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, You know, camp is for, you know, how the old Pontiac song, Lee Queller's old Pontiac song has a a line that it's not the camp, but the people. And which, you know, is is true to varying degrees. uh, But really, I think for, for certainly for the kids, it's not camp people. Um, and, and really that's what it should be, you know, cause, cause camp is about friends. All of my best friends that I have known in my life, I met at camp.
3: Um,
2: most of them I met at Natchez and a lot of them I met at Pontiac. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm my, my, my best friend in the world. I met at Natchez. Um, I'm still close with my, my ex campers who are now all just turning 40 uh that's crazy it wow. is i mean it's and not all of them and you know i have lost touch with a few of them over over the in recent years you know as some of them you know some of them have families now you know careers um you know you want to maintain those ties you want to maintain those bonds but you know it's not always possible you know sometimes it's you know, I don't want to say life gets in the way because that's the kind of thing that people tell me when, you know, when I, when I mention the fact that I haven't heard from somebody in a long time or that they, they don't get back to me They say, well, you know, life gets in the way. Well, yeah, it does. But if, 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 if a friendship means something to you, you want to keep it alive. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, some friendships are, will last. And sometimes not, you know, we we, we, we encounter as, as we, you know, when you're a kid, you feel like you're going to live forever, but you also kind of feel like this is all there is, you know, that, that whatever is now is going to continue for the rest of your life. And it, it, it really doesn't work that way. I mean, no one is the same person at 30, that they were at 18, you know, and no one is the same person at 18 that they were at 14. You know, it's people grow, people change, people move on, people develop other interests, that's just life. Um, But, but nevertheless, That's what camp has always been about. I mean, more than anything else, camp is about a lot of things. It's about growing up. It's about learning to get along with others. It's about learning to live independently and make choices independently and, you know, become part of a group to find what you're good at, to find what you love and but mainly, it's about it's about the friendships you make. I mean, I've, I've been been watching your other episodes, and what keeps coming up over and over again um, is the bonding experiences that you guys had. You know, those late night talks. You know, in the bunks on the roof at the campfires. Um, that's what I really miss about camp more than anything else. You know, because, you know, I had that way back when. Um, and I miss it. I really do. Um, the, the, the line, always a friend, the title, always a friend, has a double meaning. And I don't remember where I first heard it or where I got the idea from, but. The reason why it's always a friend and not, for example, always my friend, you know, is that a friend is not just a relationship. It's it's a behavior. It's a personality type. Okay. so say you will be always a friend doesn't just mean always a friend to me but always a friend to others, always a friend to, you know, to strangers, to classmates, to coworkers, to, to anyone you encounter, be, you know, to, to, be, to be a person of good character, you know, as hard as that is sometimes, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it's, being a friend is not just forming a bond with another individual, it's 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 being the kind of person who can do that, um, and who can who can be a friend to everyone, be a friend to the whole world, you know, if not literally, but 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 just in the sense of 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 a friend being a, a a characteristic as well as a relationship. So that's what that ultimately mm-hmm. I think that was... means, and that's why I think it's such a good. Uh,
1: motto for camp mm-hmm. uh, you explain that you explain that so well the whole uh the whole friendship connection that that was very uh i don't know about you kingsley but that hit me pretty hard that was no
0: no it did i did not realize that it had well. a double meaning to it and it just like truly just like embraces what camp is all about especially pontiac and i think it's a great great i don't, whatever you want to call it slogan yeah, what, it whatever it is but Mata, it's just it, motto yeah it just embell like it just resembles what camp is especially Pontiac and the bonds that were made and just like developing you as a person. I started going when I was seven, eight years old and now being an 18 and year old kid still, as a freshman college. We're still, college. Talking we're still talking yeah, it just like it just like always. It's just always there. Not necessarily um just Pontiac, but even just talking sports or stuff like that with the friends that we've made through Pontiac. It just whether whether or not we realize it, whether or not we're talking about camp Pontiac, is always going to be there for the rest of our lives. But um, like yeah, I wanna I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, um, it was too. it was a complete pleasure having you. Um, obviously so you're, you're a camp dude. legend, and yeah. um, we we learned so much. Especially I I didn't know half the things that you told me about things that went on in '97, '98, all that stuff. So it was very interesting to hear about that. Um, obviously, like, all your musical stuff is phenomenal. Um, yeah. The alma mater, I, the meaning behind the lyrics, just incredible. Um, that whole breakdown was really something else. Um, so, yeah, I, once again, I we think, thank uh, you tremendously.
2: I think You're welcome. That, it's my pleasure. I, I, I like, like what you guys are doing. This is, this is
0: a, yeah. Thank yeah. you. We
1: appreciate it. I think that your uh, impact on camp over the 40-so-ever years you've been going, Natchez and Pontiac, is... Is uh, it's it's interesting. How you you literally stepped into the camp scene ever since you were a kid, and you never stopped going. And your you just have made such a huge impact on people's lives, the alma, the plays that you've directed, every all of everything about that. I just think it's really special that that your impact that you've had.
2: Well, I appreciate that. It's very kind of you. Um, I've always felt that of all the work that I've done in my adult life, um, the most rewarding has been the work I've done with kids, whether it's a camp or teaching. And, you know, the hardest thing about giving up teaching was giving up camp, you know, because I knew, and I knew I would have to do that, but I had to get out. (laughs) (laughs) I had to get out of, uh, get out of teaching. It was just, you know, teaching is one thing working for a school system is something else. And I could do a whole episode on that. I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, it, it's still, and I think it always, teaching was always my first calling, I think. And, you know, the most, the, the most rewarding work that I've done has been the work I've done with kids. And, you know, I, it's, you know, like I was saying before, I mean, the thing I miss about camp more than anything else is those bonding experiences. I mean, I have, I have this distinct memory of one summer in the early 2000s. I don't remember what year it was exactly. Um, when I think it was the senior boys, Jarrett Roth was their group leader, Um. The night before they left for California, they had a campfire up at what is now Treetop. It was still called Snoopy back then, I think. Um, and this was long before it became institutionalized. I mean, it was just a fire pit and some logs to sit on, maybe benches. They didn't have the, you know, the cooking thing and the table and the tree houses and whatnot. It was just, you know, a place to go. And it, you know, there was no turf back then. There were no lights up there. So it was, you know, it was really an ideal setting for a campfire. And I remember they asked me if I would come up and play. Um, and so I said, sure. And so I came up at nightfall and they were all there around the campfire, just talking. You could see the fireflies in the bushes and so I played for a little bit and we talked for a little bit. I played a little bit more and we talked a little bit more. Um, and, you know, then I finished with the alma mater and they were all, you know, with their arms around each other. And, uh, those are the experiences that make camp what it is. And, uh, And it's, you know, it's been years since I've been able to do that. I mean, I, 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 the thing I love most about camp is, you know, just sitting at the campfire and playing, sitting on somebody's porch and playing, um, sitting on the LP or, or whatever, and just sitting around having one of these talks. And it's, you know, it's, I mean, I'm nostalgic by nature. Uh, So I, I, just kind of instinctively I'm nostalgic generally and nostalgic for camp in particular. So it just, you know, those are the best memories I have.
3: Yeah. If, that,
2: if that means anything. No, yeah.
1: no. 100%, we're, all we're all about nostalgia.
2: Yeah. Well, I hope you guys can make it back. I mean, I think that being away from camp those three years when I was a teenager during high school was probably good for me um, in the sense that I was probably a better counselor when I came back at age of 18 because we didn't have JC back then. Uh, having been away from camp for a little bit, I, I spent a few days in camp in the summer of 88, but when I came back in 89 as a counselor, I think it was much better for it for having been away from camp and not having to make that camper to counselor transition directly um so if you can't make it back this year there's no reason you can't come back in the future you know there are plenty of people who have taken a summer or two off as teenagers and come back as counselors um so you know maybe you'll appreciate it more who knows um Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm -hmm. if either one of you is is thinking about a career in education um which is ideal if you want to continue to do camps Mm -hmm um but um you know there's you guys are what 18 yeah
1: 18 almost 19.
2: yeah so crazy you got all the options in the world um a lot of doors are open so Mm -hmm. what you do with it is up to you You yeah if you make it back to camp that's great if not that's okay too because this never ends I mean, it's, it's, I I say this at the end of every summer when everyone's, you know, upset about leaving, you know, I, I mean, I'm living proof that this never ends. It just goes on and on and on from one chapter to the next, from one volume to the next. So it's, you know,
1: it'll always be there.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. No, so well, so well said. Yeah, we, we agree. We really thank you for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome really great having you a
0: thousand percent i think it was very it wasn't it it was more of like the like the down to earth kind of like genuine just thoughts about camp rather than a lot of like i mean we had of course we had like a lot of laughs and good stories and memories but it was just really like reminiscing about the fundamentals of camp so to speak and Um, what what really camp is from
3: someone who knows
1: about camp the best
0: exactly And like, even just like the small things that you touched on, like even just like the meanings of always a friend, like it hits home and it just like really makes you realize like that it's like going to be a part of your
2: life forever. And it's a great thing. Songs always stay in your head and songs are, are are very powerful evocators of memory. If you remember the song, you'll remember camp.
3: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: well i think that basically does it i mean it was great having you on like we said a bunch of times um we appreciate you and we know that you're still going to make impacts whether you're there physically or not you're always basically there um so your memory will live on so thank you thank you again yes
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's something you say when somebody's passed so, it's okay. It's
0: right. I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 it's
2: okay. It's okay. Uh, I, I, I yeah, it. and then you know there's there, there's a lot more where that came from. So if you want if you want to if you want to do this again, just let me know. Of course. Definitely. Um.
3: Thanks, Jeff. Yeah.
2: So so
0: I'll thank you so much. Be safe out there, man. Be safe. My best. Always a friend. Always a friend. Bye, Jeff. Wow,
3: that yeah, was
1: I,
0: yeah, that was that was a pretty lengthy one, but I think I think yeah. a lot of it was very good. All of it was very good. Yeah. Rab, Rab, what do you, what do you think?
1: Of, I mean, I loved I loved when the when he pulled the when he like just started uh, playing the yeah. Game. I
0: did. I should have known that he was gonna come that. ready, but like he pulled it out and I was like, wow, like it's Jay I'm Raymond
1: like, like, singing along like we're at the campfire. <laughs> yeah
0: that was that was crazy I, I i was hoping he would do that i was gonna ask for a live performance and he made yeah, ask himself
1: <laughs> yeah but, I, thought, uh, I thought that um what do you call it i thought that it was gonna be uh like i wasn't expecting him to go that in depth like i loved hearing about the old uh like in two thousand, oh, 2001 that was made 2003 that was made like, i loved hearing that because we had no yeah, idea Yeah, i
0: mean it also goes to show how much he actually cares about camp
1: the, the little I mean, details of a the bunk little, the little, little details be, of everything might be like i don't know if i'm right or wrong with this like the most knowledgeable person of campaniac he's been yeah, there I, every, he's been there every I, year since it since like forever
0: yeah I i i don't think i've ever met someone as knowledgeable and just like it's impressive, honestly, how much he remembers, like even from nineteen ninety seven, like, like everything—the color of things, the I way things that, are structured, yeah. what materials about, they you used, like, about everything. About everything, yeah,
1: it was crazy. Oh no! But no. uh,
0: yeah, what an episode, Jay Brayman. Once again, you're if you're watching this, thank no, you so no. much for coming on the show. An
1: he is the voice of an angel.
0: Voice of an angel, uh, stellar performer at Camp Pontiac. So, uh, with that being said, once again, you guys say no, it with no, me. No.
3: Locking. Canteen is now closed, <laughs> doors locked, keys thrown you. away. Yes. So